0: Welcome to the T2 Hubcast Join Martin, Dave, Spencer and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development
1: The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People
2: So welcome to another T2 Hubcast in our brand spanking new T2 Hubcast room We've got Dave Pendleton. Hey, 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 hey. We've got myself and we've got Spencer Locker. Howdy. Now, Spencer and Dave are still, although we've got a new podcast room, we're still waiting for some equipment to arrive which means Dave and Spencer are sharing the microphone again.
1: Sinners, aren't we? It's
2: very cosy. It's very cosy. And uh, you're going to have to lean in every time it's your turn to speak. we just got to make sure we do it one at a time <laughs> or we're going to start kissing. <laughs> so, as always, it's good fun. We haven't even started and we're giggling.
1: Um,
2: but it's the, it's, the, it's the third round of answering questions from LinkedIn. So we, we we put a post out yesterday, we usually ask LinkedIn users to ask us questions around leadership, around sales, customer service, or just any type of question and we'll answer it. So as always, in usual fashion, gents, we have uh, our questions from LinkedIn. Uh, I think we've got two or three that we can answer today, so mm. let's go for it. It's unprepared as usual, but we'll see what comes out of it. You ready? Yeah, ready. Yeah, absolutely. So first question, which we didn't actually um, answer from Tyler Helm last time. If you remember, we ran out of time, so we we promised him that we would answer his question on the next one. Now, for Tyler, uh, Tyler's question, Tyler is a rig maintenance supervisor at Noble Drilling, but I know that uh, Tyler, like me, is ex-Royal Navy. I think he he knows my brother, uh, Danny Johnson, who still serves in the Royal Navy, um, but he's been following our progress, and he always takes time to comment and add to, uh, to what we're doing. So uh, Tyler's question is, how do you mentor the alpha? Now, for those of you out there who doesn't know what Tyler means, we call the alpha wolf in our leadership programs is the difficult dominant type of mindset where they know best. They're pretty closed off to coaching and support. They're quite a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you know. And the alphas can be really good performers. The alpha wolf can be a really good performer in organizations, but it can be difficult for leaders to manage. It's, all, it's almost like these are the people who you want in the trenches, and you want doing the job, but boy, are they a pain in the ass, right? And everybody listening to this can probably relate to that. So Tyler's question is: How do you deal with or mentor the alpha? Um, and, and, and yes, we want to embrace them for performance, but what's the right and the wrong way when it comes? If you've got an alpha wolf in your team, how do you how do you make them become less combative, less disruptive, and get the best out of them while keeping them for what they do well? And is there, I guess, gents, a point in time at which you've got to draw the line if if it is becoming a bit too disruptive to the wider environment? So that's the question. Um, Dave, over to you. Alpha Wolves. Is there a place for them? Do we want to nurture them? Do we meet them head on um, or is there a, a better way?
0: Well, it's a very familiar story to us. We get asked that question frequently when we were in the leadership days. And um I think the best advice that I can always give to somebody, we we talk about the the sort of collaborative and visionary approach to to leveraging the very best out of the alpha wolf, because as you mentioned, the alpha wolf is generally very tenured, usually very experienced and very credible at what they do, usually very knowledgeable mm-hmm. and very competent. So so let's leverage that rather than fight against it. Now, mm-hmm. if you're a strong leadership type yourself, all that's going to happen is you're going to just bang heads, as yeah. we know. Yeah. So the best way for me is to regularly communicate what the bigger picture is, regularly communicate how important the alpha wolf is in that bigger picture. And as soon as you start asking the alpha wolf for help, can you help me, Mr. Alpha Wolf? It makes them feel very, very important. And from my experience, it's a a very easy way to gain collaboration from somebody who's usually quite resistant.
2: So, yeah, I love that. So what you're saying there, and this is what we say a lot, isn't it, is if you deploy a directive style of management with an alpha wolf, i.e. you become uh, authoritarian, you become dictative, you start trying to out-alpha them, (laughs) they will meet you head on right? So what we're saying is box clever. You need to get them in the tent. And to do that, you've got to empowerment. You've almost got to elevate their status up to as equal as your own, even though you're their manager or their leader, right? But by doing that- Well, I think
0: even beyond, because when you start saying, can you help me? Yeah, You're almost becoming slightly more submissive than they are. Mm. Even though you aren't, you're making them feel a little bit more powerful than
2: you are, which will absolutely buy them in now now managers out there listening to this will struggle because they think well i don't want to appear weak if i appear appear submissive or that I, I, I need too much help then i'm going to appear weak well no 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 you know you're boxing clever here it's not that you're you are weak but you understand how to get the best out
1: of another person and to get them in the ten and and that's what great leaders do. Spence. It's 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 collaborative rather than weakness and when you, and and you've got to sort of basically know when to when to take it on the chin for the for the greater good or for the long term but what I would like to do is spin it back on you Martin if I can. Yeah. because you are a self-confessed former alpha wolf. <laughs> Dave's laughing because he's the thinking... former. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So,
2: so what worked for you? It's like Teen Wolf with me. It's still there, and it comes out every now and then. And then I have a mad sort of uh, half an hour as an alpha, and then I get back in my box and realize that it's not the way.
0: But usually, the last day of the month. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. It is. I. I do think I was an alpha wolf. Uh, for many years, and I think any of my old managers or anybody who's worked with me, probably at my days in Gartner or anybody else, if they're listening to this, will will be smiling because I did or I had an enormous amount of belief in personal power, and I think that was compounded by the fact that I was also good at my job. And in a sales role, for example, when I was going through various sales roles and into sales leadership, the more successful I got, the worse my alpha wolfness got if that makes sense it sort of says to you well i am bloody good at my job and you can't afford to get rid of me so i will do what i please and you can't tell me and i mean i'm i'm sort of painting a picture that i was a nightmare i probably wasn't that bad but i certainly had a voice and i certainly at times, bent the rules and uh, didn't adhere to certain process because I felt it was a waste of time and I knew better. And I was probably a nightmare for my managers at the time who were trying to just get stuff done and, and fill in the systems and tick the boxes they had to tick, right? But that was it. The more I felt it was a waste of time and I had to tick the boxes, the less I wanted to do it. So I've become very combat- combatant against this. And and I guess, I guess the turning point for me was... A realisation, it was, it was a female leader who, who sort of highlighted to me that I was such an asset to the company and to her and that she needed me, to your point, Dave. Mm-hmm. She absolutely needed me on her side and, and, and in her team. But I needed to leave less chaos in my wake. And she, she, she said to me, Martin, you need to build friends and allies because being good at the job will only take you so far in isolation but that's all you will ever be is that lone wolf. She she sort of educated me to the importance of stakeholder management. As much as that to some is corporate bullshit, where you're playing the game and building the allies and working your way up the chain and all the rest of it, she sort of painted a different picture and said, if you want to be successful going forward and elevate your career to the next level, you need to build relationships and rapport. You need to open your mind. You need to calm your chimp. You need to... Sometimes understand that process and systems are a necessary evil in organizations. And you will have far more collaborative success than that, than being that on your own and being unconsciously competent. But because she offered me the opportunity to consider that and not dictate it to me, it really did resonate with me. And that, and that sort of changed my mindset. So yeah, to answer your question, Spence, I still have it in me to an extent a little bit. Um, I know a lot of people out there do, but to, to echo Dave's point and to answer Tyler's question, the person who got far more success with me out in Alpha the Wolf was the female manager who didn't meet me head on. Because prior to that, I worked for about five Alpha Wolf males and we just clashed. Mm. It was like an Alpha Wolf off, right? Mm. And there was only going to be one winner there. And that was either my manager because they outranked me or I just disengaged, right? So – um She took a different style. She got visionary with me. She made me see the future and what it could look like and invited me to either get on the ship or not. So it was my decision. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So to your point, Dave, use a visionary management style. Be amiable. Consider their point of view. Sell them the dream and the story of what and why and invite them on that journey rather than trying to meet them head on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a big difference between being authoritative
2: by nature and being authoritative by behavior. Yeah. I always say a similar thing, directive by style or nature, yeah. i.e. being directive and authoritative by style is being calm, being straight to the mm-hmm. point, being factual, and giving direction. Being directive, authoritative by nature is when you allow the emotion to come into it. It gets personal, it gets aggressive, it gets confrontational, yeah. and that's when an alpha wolf will meet you head on. We've talked about that, Spence, haven't we, in, uh, in in different podcasts. Yeah, so I agree. Anything Anything else on the alphas out there? I mean, just a little word on performance. I mean, performance is king. We say this in situational leadership, don't we, gents? If an alpha wolf is performing, you want people in roles who can do the job. Unless, so what we're saying there is, It's your job to manage the alpha if the performance is there. If the performance is not there, i.e., they're not really good at the job, then you've got to deal with it because now it's an issue. Where do you stand, Dave and Spencer, on what if the performance is like they're a top performer in terms of the job? You wouldn't have anyone else, but their alpha wolf behavior and mindset is now becoming toxic to the wider environment. So they're your best player on the pitch, right? But they've got the ability to poison and and create a negative environment around them. What do you do then as a leader?
0: I think the prime example is um, David Beckham at Man United with Alex Ferguson. Or
2: Yapstam or or Ronaldo, all the big wigs that Fergie got rid of, right? So so
0: arguably, David Beckham at the time was probably one of the world's best wingers, most accurate crossers, Mm. best on dead ball set pieces, free kicks and so on and so forth. Single-handedly got... um, Liverpool, in, <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. uh, England, you know, into into uh, cup finals and so forth, yeah. um, but was becoming larger than the club, in Alex Ferguson's words. Yeah. Uh, and he was becoming toxic. His relationship with the manager and some of the other players was becoming toxic. So he removed the toxic element by getting rid of David Beckham.
2: Yeah.
0: Did Man United suffer for it? Did they suffer when they got rid of the and so on and so forth? No, they didn't. Yeah. Did they become more successful? I, I'm not really sure. But they certainly didn't become less successful.
2: Well, the reason you're hesitating is because you're a Liverpool fan, Dave. So you can't bring yourself I'm to say just alluded to Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they <laughs> were incredibly successful, is your point, even after Yapstam, even after Beckham, even after Ronaldo. No other manager would have sold those players in their prime like he did, right? Because they would have put up with the 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 situation because of what they do on the pitch. It's like Steve Jobs famously came back to Apple after being in the wilderness and sacked by his own company. And one of the first things he did is get rid of every single one of them around the table. Because anybody who's going to disrupt the wider environment and become toxic cannot be on the ship. Right? Go on, Spence.
1: I was just, I was just going to say, give you an opportunity to gas off a little bit, Martin. Yeah. Like you need an opportunity. <laughs> <coughs> an invitation for Martin, Spence. I mean, really. Tell me about the uh, the New Zealand All Blacks policies.
2: Oh yeah, so I
1: this comes from
2: I did a speaking engagement at a conference recently with Sean Fitzpatrick, who is the All Black former All Black captain, World Cup winning captain. A lot of people know Sean Fitzpatrick from the punditry he does on on BBC, you know, for the for the Autumn Internationals and the and the Six Nations, et cetera. Sean Fitzpatrick, uh, I listened to his talk. He was after me, and and I listened to his talk. So I was like listening to other speakers and he told a story of the All Blacks culture and they have a particular policy in the All Blacks, which he called it the no dickhead policy. <laughs> and 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 everybody sort of laughed in the room because this was like a business conference. And he said, no, 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 it's, a, it's not a joke. We have a no dickhead policy. And what that means is, doesn't matter how good a player you are, how good an All Black you are in terms of your physical capability or your talent, if you don't have the right attitude and mindset, you're not getting in. No dickheads, right? And that was his and, and he sort of started telling these businesses that they need to consider this from a cultural perspective as well, right? So I know we're saying performance is king, and it is. We want people who can do the job, right? And and, and you should and you should want that. But when the balance tips, where this alpha wolf behaviour becomes so toxic to the point where it starts to filter out to the wider environment and affect the overall productivity of the organization. You have to take action like Alex Ferguson did, like the All Blacks did, like Steve Jobs did. If it's not that bad and you can contain it and manage it as a manager, then guess what Managers, It's part of your job. Don't shy away from it. It's part of your job to leverage the performance and protect the wider environment. If it filters out, make the bloody tough decision is what we're saying, right? Yeah. Awesome. So uh, I think if there's no other comments, guys, that probably answers tyler's question for this podcast so tyler hope that answers it i mean i know there's a lot more we could do on on that but it certainly um certainly gives you a few tips so let's come on to another question our friend james greenwood md at strawberry he's put a question forward that says uh, you are only allowed to own one book for the rest of your life and then he's put in brackets because he knows me well and no martin it can't be yours which is a shame, because <laughs> it was a chance for me to plug the book.
1: <laughs> well, well, I Am Human, 30 Mistakes to Success
2: by you... Martin Johnson. Yeah, I'm not allowed to choose. I Am Human, 30 Mistakes to Success by Martin Johnson, available on Amazon, seven quid. But we can, <laughs> <laughs> is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, absolutely. So he's put what book you so you're only allowed one book to own, and we, we we're avid readers of books, we've read a lot of books as you can imagine. Um, and he's put business related, ideally, not the Beano annual. Smarty face. So, Spencer, you can't have the viz, unfortunately, which I know you would, uh, you would, <laughs> what, the
1: Profanosaurus, is it Rogers, <laughs> Rogers, Profanosaurus, Rogers, yeah.
2: Profanosaurus, you can't have it, right. Oh. Anybody want to go first on this? I mean, I'm, I'm going to struggle because I love books and I've got a top probably 20. And if I was to just keep one uh, with me, um, oh, let me have a think about that. Dave, what springs into your mind straight away? Would you go business-related book or would you go something else? Or uh, Well, if I'm honest, I only read business-related books. Yeah, me too, more uh, or less. Self-help books, if you
0: like. Um, I, I think the difficult thing for me is I would probably have to choose two or three that covered different topics, so I guess if I was to choose one, um, I forget the author, but it's called "Spirit to Serve," and it's the story of the Marriott chain. Mm, yes, how the Marriott chain um, really sort of sprung into life uh, to become what it was, and really, it's a, it, it's a business book about success and growth, growth mindset, um, you know, overcoming challenges, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but actually, it's a customer service story. Right. Because the Marriott success was built on pioneering, and I mean first one-offs in design. I mean, like they're the first people to put um plug sockets above desks in hotel rooms instead of underneath. They were the first people to ever introduce ladies' coat hangers, you know, all these types of things. Because traveling businessmen traditionally had been men. Yeah. As opposed to you know, ladies too.
2: so the book Dave's talking about is the Spirit to Serve Marriott's Way That's and right. it's and it's actually by J. W. Marriott, ah, okay, one of the yeah, initial sure. founders. so uh, it's an old book, but like you say, it's probably at its time. it was probably one of the only well, I say it's an old book. It was originally published in ninety seven yeah, yeah, um but back in ninety seven before the digital revolution, they had a they, everything was around people mm, it were was. around serving others, yeah, uh,
0: and it still is, you know.
2: So, so, what you're saying is, we forget some of those basic principles. Just in the that very book. basic
0: principles, and, and it, it really epitomizes for me world-class proactive customer service. Mm. Always trying to be one step ahead of what the customer needs and wants from the room, from the service, from the staff, from the people, from the environment, and so on and so forth. And I think I'm not some I'm not, I'm not sure so much nowadays, but certainly ten years ago, when I used to stay in Marriott hotels fairly regularly, they lived up to the to the standards that were set. 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago.
2: Yeah, love it. So, that recommendation from record or the answer from Dave and the recommendation is A Spirit to Serve the Marriott's Way by J.W. Marriott. And you could probably get that online at any point, right? Spence, you're up. What are you going business <clears throat> book? Are you going military book? Are you in autobiography? <clears throat>
1: uh, well, I like to read autobiographies, I must admit, but it's a tough question because it's like asking somebody what their favorite song is. I haven't got a favourite song. I've got loads of songs I like, but the thing is, it depends what mood you're in. It mm. depends what mood you're in. What what you want? To, what's your favourite this? What's favourite that? At whatever given time. But if you could have one, yeah, but yeah, but a lifetime's a long time. You see, I'm a nine, and I won't commit to anything. I'd rather make no decision,
2: yeah, <laughs> than the wrong decision. So, you, however, you could do you with want, a book on you're decisions. Looking, decisions if you're, if you're yeah.
1: looking, if you're looking for a recommendation, book wise. Uh, rather than business, I would go leadership, and uh, from a, for a from a leadership perspective, um, it's a book called Taking Point, and it's by a bloke called Brent Gleason. Uh, he's an ex uh, Navy SEAL, and uh, and you know you you can read your military books, and it's a story about how they do this, that, and the other. Um, how they went through training or all these different experiences. And they sort of take up a certain sort of structure. Brent Gleason's taking a different tack. He's broken it down into uh, different uh, chapters. Uh, and he tells stories about his experiences in the Navy SEALs. But then he actually talks about the, the back end of the tra- chapter, the lessons learned during that and how it transposes over into civilian life, into business, into leadership, into teamwork and things like that. Um, it's not very not a very common book you might have to do some digging about for it but uh, if you do get it um, yeah I, give it some time have a, have a read very cool interesting. cool never read of that one myself
2: Spencer so oh. I, I would be interested in reading that one um, I guess for me if I was to answer this question I think the obvious answer that everybody would be expecting me to say would be Steve <clears> Peters <throat> The Chimp Paradox um, the book changed my life I've said it on, on a million occasions um, but but because I've sort of read it so many times and I have i don't think that, because I know it, I don't think I'd need the book to remember it. So it probably wouldn't be the book I choose. Um, and then I've got an array of other second string books, like uh, You've Got Black Box Thinking by Matthew Saeed, which is a fantastic book. You've got The Seven Habits by Stephen Covey, Covey which is a fantastic book. Um, You've uh, the, the, One of the most enjoyable reads I ever had was a, a book called Enchantment by Guy Kawasaki, one of the former Apple chief evangelists, who he basically did a modernized version of How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, Mm -hmm. but it's called Enchantment, and it's only 200 pages. It's a very thin book, and he gets straight to the point on how to enchant other human beings when you first meet them, how to relate to and build rapport and leave an impression on other people, and I really enjoyed that. But I wouldn't choose any of them. The one I would choose, the one I'm going to go with, is the one that taught me the most even over and above the Chimp Paradox, about human beings, about Homo sapiens, mm. which is the book Sapiens by, I think it's the, I always get the name mixed up, but it's Yuval Noah Harari, I'm going to go with, or Yuval Harari. Um, he's written a book called Sapiens. It's a heavy read. It's about four, 450 the pages. It starts off two million years ago, goes through early early man, early homo sapiens foraging the earth to how we came through to uh, developing the cognitive revolution when we discovered fire, how our brains changed when we started digest- gest- digesting our foods, the farming uh, uh, and agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution through to today in the digital world. And it's the evolution of us, how we've become uh, who we are in the modern day, but we still have those roots of basic forages of an animal. Uh, which we are as homo sapiens, and it it, t- it teaches you a lot around why we think feeling out the way we do. And when you strip us right back, we still have those basic survival and reproduction and uh, instincts. So I would recommend sapiens, and I would have sapiens, because it just gives the entire existence of humanity and and why we are like we are today. He's also written a follow-up book to Sapiens and Karen, but it's called, but it's looking at where we're going to be in the future, how we're going to continue to evolve and what – us as Sapiens will look like 100 years from now. Um, so, yeah, my recommendations would be, recommendation would be Sapiens, uh, and I think that would be how, how I would answer James's question. Listen, guys, we could talk about books all day long, couldn't we, because um, we love them, <coughs> yeah. um, you know, um, and we've only got some sort of five to ten minutes left. So I'm going to come to one last question, Spence, um, which is also from James, but it was a bit of a fun one, but I'm going to see if we will answer this or not. Um, as the case may be. So he's put fun one for Spencer Locker. So obviously James knows that Spence is on the show SES Who Dares Wins as a resistance to interrogation instructor. Um, he, he's modest about it. He likes to keep away from the cameras and keep a low profile, but we're trying to change that, aren't we, Spence? <laughs> Except yesterday when he was having
0: selfies with people from the training group. Like oh yeah,
2: when he got spotted from the training group and they were having very selfies. large smiles on his
0: face. Yeah,
2: <laughs> he's becoming he's becoming a star. He's becoming very famous. very he's humble. Him. Absolutely. So James has put fun one for Spencer Locker. Which of the celebrities on the current version of SAS Who dares wins? Celebrity special. Would he he leave in Chile without their passport? if they had gotten away with it. So I think what he's saying is, having worked with now the celebrity Spence on the, the the celebrity version of SAS, Who Dares Wins and spent time with them under duress and pressure, which one showed the true colours and which one would you quite happily
1: leave out there without a passport? That's a really interesting question. Thank <laughs> you very much for that. Um, I won't lie to you. There was one or two actually really pushed me buttons. Uh, it's amazing the, the insight into... Into people's uh, mental state, um, and ego, I suppose, to a certain degree. Uh, when they're when they're fatigued, when they've got sleep deprivation, and and we're putting putting them under the under the cosh, so to speak, uh, figuratively, not literally. <clears throat> Unfortunately, I think, as uh, speaking as a professional, uh, and the fact that I'll wouldn't mind being asked back to do another series. I can't really answer that. I think, um, I'll f- have a look and see what you think on TV. I mean, I don't know what's going to be on next week's show. Oh, sorry. Next week's show. Mm. after to tomorrow, isn't it? Mm. Crikey. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable because to be honest with you, they're all there for a good reason. They're all left stand up for cancer. Um, and, uh, they're all taking out the comfort zones and, uh, yeah, so yeah, I got my buttons pushed a little bit. However, you've got to take it, take, sort of take it in the spirit of uh, that it was offered. Um, but yeah, uh, maybe maybe later, maybe maybe yeah. when I re- write when I write my book, yeah, I might uh, div- divulge that. So you 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 bottling it, Spence. I'm not. I'm, I'm being a professional. I'm being a professional.
2: You're bottling it.
1: I, I, I don't
0: think that stops us answering, though, does it? Oh yeah. So um, <laughs> just 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 so we can answer the question that was
2: well, put. Yeah. If I, I mean, I'm watching the show, right? And I don't know these celebrities like Spencer knows them. But um, if uh, if I was to answer J- James's question, I'd probably answer it like this: um, Made in Chelsea, left in <laughs> bloody Chile. <laughs> That's how I would answer it, Dave. Uh, I'm just going
0: to give some initials: uh, GB. G.B. Is it G.B. or Or J.B.? J.B., maybe. Uh, Ah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, Mr. Self-Centered.
2: Mr. Brazier. Uh, I didn't say that, but
0: you did.
1: (laughs) Uh,
2: So it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. Yeah, it does come across that way. Uh, And again, you know what? It's it's often one of them, isn't it, where if we was on that show, under duress, under pressure, uh, hungry, tired... How would we come across? It's easy to sit on the other side of the telly and go, yeah, I've got your character nailed down, and I've got your character nailed down, and I bet you'd be a nightmare. And you can get indications, but I'd like to think, Dave, especially me and you, we'd be a bit pissed off and grumpy without food and sleep uh, and having to stay in a room with a load of other people. And you know what I'm like for people who yeah. eat eat loud? And and drink loud and make noises and snore and stuff. I think I'd be a bloody nightmare and to live with. And
1: get anyway. And I get
2: hungry anyway. So, yes, but... Um, I think we need to just remember also that they are doing it for charity, which
0: is the, the main thing.
2: Of course. Of course. And that's one of the big things you said in it, It's yeah. one of the reasons that Spencer wouldn't answer that question. Fair play to them all. Is that is our answer uh, to your question, James? So,
0: however, it is a long way back on foot in Chile. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could do a sponsored walk on the way back.
2: Yeah, it'd still be made in Chelsea, left in Chile for me. Um, so, but yeah, it, it's it's a fab show. We love it. I think it's doing great stuff, and uh, hopefully, uh, there's going to be another series. So, with a few minutes left, gents, we've answered the questions. That concludes this hubcast uh, on how to deal with the Al- alpha wolf. Which book would we? recommend or or keep, or, or if we could only own one. And, uh, yeah, a nice little light-hearted conversation to finish on the show. So, Dave, Spencer, as always, thank you. Thank you. Ta-ta. Uh, they're starving. They're ready for the lunch. It's lunchtime, so we're going to go and get something to eat. And uh, we'll be back again after the, the long bank holiday weekend with another T2 Hubcast. So it's goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And me as well. I'm sure that's on a famous comedy show, isn't it? <laughs> We've nicked it. We'll have it anyway. And we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. Thank you.